Hey podcasters, we are living in unprecedented times. And currently our church is not meeting in person. We have moved all of our worship services online. And so the messages that you'll be hearing here on the podcast are part of online worship experiences, which are quite a bit different from in-person gatherings. So there might be breaks in the message where we shift to a different element or I'll refer to things that are links uh, in the description. And so those don't apply, but still we want you to be able to follow along with our messages and stay connected to our church. Of course, in this time, uh, we hope that you are being faithful to give and support your local church. But if Faith Church is your local church, we would greatly appreciate it if you would support us in this season by going to faithinchandler.com slash give or using the Venmo app to make your donation to the username at faithfwbchurch. We greatly appreciate your continuing uh, support during this time. May God bless you and keep you well in this pandemic. a pretty crazy week once again we were told uh, earlier this week that we were going to spend two weeks sheltering in place and I was actually driving um, when that press conference was happening and so I was talking to Nicole on the phone and she was kind of telling me what was happening and I was like man I'm gonna have to like load up all of the gear from the church and like set up a studio in the garage or something uh, so that we can do online worship for this upcoming weekend and then I got uh, got home and I read uh, the, the press release from the governor and saw that clergy are essential. Uh, who knew, right? Like I've never felt so essential. And I was like, man, that's that's pretty cool that the that they feel like clergy are an essential part of business right now. Um, but then I read like a couple lines down and saw that liquor stores are also considered essential right now. Um, so I had a little bit less of a, of a feeling of, wow, this is so great. Um, the driving to work the next morning, though, it kind of felt like, man, it seems like there's just as much traffic on the road uh, as normal. It seems like everybody is essential. At least everybody, it seemed like, was on the, on the highway as normal. However, I do think it's important for us in this time to try to stick with what is only essential. And uh, thankfully, I come to work here at the church and able to record this, and I'm the only person around, and so I'm not uh, putting anybody at risk. But this is a time that we need to consider what is essential and do our best to slow down the spread of this virus so that we're not a burden on our healthcare system and we don't put our friends and neighbors at jeopardy. Uh, in jeopardy, we are building this church so that our friends and neighbors can join it, and so we don't want to put them at risk and we want to show them love at this time. And so right now is a time in our culture that we're trying to figure out what's essential, what has to be done, and what can we set aside for this period. And that's also a helpful exercise for us to go through as a church. What is essential? What is it that we absolutely have to do? And what can be a set aside uh, for this time right now? And last week, we looked back at the birth of the church to see what was essential. And kind of the big idea of the message last week is that the church is fueled not by proximity to one another, but rather by the presence of God, having presence with one another. That is what fuels the church. And the passage of scripture that we're going to look at today, it kind of springs from the same place. It's, it's a moment where Paul was to give some truth to people, but he's not able to be with them. In fact, in the very opening lines of the book of Romans or the letter to the Roman Christians, Paul says this in verse 1. He says, For as God is my witness, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And so Paul is telling them, Listen, I'm praying for you regularly, and 
When I pray, I make requests that if by any means, now at length, I might have prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to go to Rome and be with these Christians, encourage them, and strengthen them. He said in the very next verse, For I long to see you. Now, Paul had to send a letter. He had to write a letter and send it to them because he, he couldn't see them. We're blessed that we have this technology that we're able to see one another. And man, let me tell you, it was such a blessing uh, this past Sunday as people uh, logged on uh, to worship online from their homes. It was so encouraging to see so many of you uh, snapping photos of you and your family worshiping God together uh, around the TV. Where you've, And even though we couldn't be together, it kind of felt like we were together. And right now, man, I long to see you. And um, I'm so thankful that, that we can do this, that we can jump on this platform and worship together. And I want to encourage us, let's continue doing that. Uh, so let's snap a photo right now. Pull out your phone and snap a photo of however your family is joining us today for online worship. And I'll give you a moment here to snap the photo and I'll even smile big for the photo. All right. Cheese. All right, so post those. We, we want to see how everybody's getting together and worshiping the Lord together because we love one another. And I'm incredibly concerned about the toll that this virus is going to take on our community in a physical capacity, how it's going to make people sick. It's going to make them unwell. Uh, people are going to struggle physically. But I'm also very concerned about how this, this um, distancing is going to affect us emotionally and spiritually. And so right now, we're not just doing online church because we need to do church every Sunday. We're doing online church because I have a concern, I have a compassion for our community to come to know Jesus and experience hope and for our congregation to continue to be, to be anchored in that hope that we have in Jesus. And, and that's what prompted Paul to write this letter of Romans. He had a, a, a combination of not being able to be there with them and a concern for them. He wanted to make sure that they were clear on the gospel. And so he writes Romans out of this, this lack of proximity, but also this concern. And he writes them this incredible doctrinal book about the gospel and about grace. And then there's this unintended consequence, this thing that, that, that happens because of that. You know, they say out of necessity is born uh, innovation, that necessity is the mother of innovation or invention. And so because Paul couldn't be there with the Romans, he wasn't allowed to be there because God had other places for him to be. He writes this letter to them, and because he writes this letter to them, it ends up being shared with many believers in many churches, and it's still an encouragement for us today. It's actually a good thing that Paul couldn't make it to Rome to be with the believers because, because of that need, out of that need, he writes this letter to the Roman Christians and we're able to benefit from it today. We're able to read it today because Paul wrote that letter. And something pretty cool has been happening over the past week and a half and that there are people who've been connecting with our church and they've been engaging with our content online that they have never come to be a part of one of our services. And if that's you, we are so glad that you're here and we hope that this is an opportunity for the, for the truth of God's word to encourage you and give you hope. And so, church, let's be praying that God uses this situation to benefit those who are going to join us online. Maybe they wouldn't have been comfortable to walk in the door, but they're going to they're come and be a part of our services now that that barrier is removed. And so necessity is pushing us to do these things, but perhaps God has a plan for it and he's going to use it. 
So I mentioned that this, this book that Paul writes is this incredible book of doctrine about the gospel. And so that's what Romans is. I mean, just right after the verses we read earlier in the chapter 1, he begins to talk about the gospel and how it makes this profound difference in people's lives. And he goes on for several chapters about that doctrine, and then he talks about how it makes a difference in our lives and the way we live. But the final chapter, Romans 16, is just a bunch of shout-outs to Paul's friends. You know, it reminds me of when I lived in Virginia Beach, there was a radio station, Z104. It was kind of the, the popular music radio station, and they would do this thing called Saturday Shoutouts where people could call in and they could give a shout-out to their friends that lived in a certain area or whatever. And basically, that's what the final chapter of Romans is. It's Paul calling out, shouting out to all of his friends, um, people that he loves, people that he knows of, people that he's been praying for in the Roman church. So let's look at that in Romans chapter 16, uh, verses 1 to 7. Paul says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord as becomes saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer, or a, um, like a, a, a supporter of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. The church is meeting in Aquila and Priscilla's house. Greet them. Salute my well-beloved Epiphanes, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ, or the first fruits of God, the gospel in Asia. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor upon us. Salute Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Now, there's a whole bunch of names there that um, they sound strange. And I'll be honest, I don't really know if I pronounce them right. You know, that's the way you pronounce names in the Bible. You just like pick a pronunciation and you go with it and, and pretend like it's the right one. And some of those names, they're, they're totally foreign. They're, they're unknown to us. And the whole chapter goes on like that. Paul mentions 27 different people in the first 16 verses. He's giving shout-outs to all of these people. He's mentioning all these names. He's saying, hey, say hello to so-and-so, greet so-and-so, give so-and-so a hug, say, tell so-and-so I said hey. And so it's all of these shout-outs in the end. And, and it's not like Paul is name-dropping. I mean, you know what it's like to be around someone who's name-dropping. They're constantly looking for a way to work in the name of somebody who's kind of famous or um, is a big deal in the conversation. Paul's not doing that because many of the people who are listed here they're not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. And so Paul is giving us a glimpse into this, this whole network of believers who they're not, they're not mentioned uh, often in the book of Acts. They're, they're not mentioned as some of the, the main church leaders, but they have had an impact and they've been a part of the kingdom work. And this is important for us to see, that back in the very beginning of the church, as the church is beginning to expand, it's beginning to make a difference in, in multiple cities, even places like Rome, that, that God is using ordinary people. And it's important for us to see that right now, because right now we're in this moment where it's so easy for us just to think about everything that's happening right now. With everything changing constantly, it's really hard for us to see very far ahead or very far back, and we're thinking about just, just this moment. Um, 
I like what Harry Reader said. I'm going to quote him twice. I'm going to use the, kind of the first part of his quote in the beginning of the message, and I'll mention him again at the end of the message. Harry Reader said, People often see their history as a, as a pond or perhaps even a lake, when in reality it is a river. Now, what's that mean? What that means is our story began much further upstream than we can see, and it runs much further downstream than we can see. And, and that's true any time, in any situation. There's so much that we can't know about history that goes beyond us, and there's so much about the future that we can't know that we can't picture. But that's especially true right now. It's kind of like that right now in this moment, um, we're at a bend in a river. And a bend in the river is a place where, as the river turns, you can't really see very far back up the river, and you can't see very far down the river, because all you can see is this bend that you're in. And I want you to know that right now, this crisis that we're in, it's a bend in the river. That it's a point where it's really hard for us to see um, what's ahead. Because the river's bending and we can't really see around the landscape. But I also want you to know that God can see the whole river. That He is outside of time, and so He can see the whole river of time. And as we make our way through this bend, this is not something that's caught Him off guard. And what waits for us around the bend is not something He's unfamiliar with. In fact, if we look back at history, what we see is that throughout history, God has used these types of crises. He's not only brought His church through them, but He's used these types of crises to strengthen and multiply His church. And I believe that's what God is going to do in this moment. And it may not look like we expect but God is going to use this moment to strengthen, purify, multiply His church because that's what He's done in every crisis, every moment of history. He's used it for His good, His glory. And while what we're going through right now is not good, God can use it for good. And so know that while we're in the middle of this bend in the river, God can see it all and He knows what's happening. And He's going to use this time to strengthen, purify us. Paul did eventually make it to Rome, by the way. And when he got there, it didn't look anything like he expected. Because Paul didn't go to Rome on a missionary journey like he had planned. Instead, he ends up getting free passage on a prison ship. He goes as a prisoner of the Romans, and that prison ship sinks. And then they make it to an island, and on the island, they get, he gets snake bit. Um, Man, any trip that involves a snake, and especially a snake bite, not a trip I want to be a part of. But that is the trip that Paul goes on to get to Rome. And then when he gets to Rome, he is quartered with a, a Roman prison guard, a guard of Roman soldier who has to be with at all times. He's not allowed to leave. Now, people are able to come and see him, and so he's able to strengthen many of the believers through this time, and he's put into proximity, and he's able to, to share the gospel with many people, and later we would find out that he's able to lead people in Caesar's household to God. But the church in Rome continues to grow, and Paul is only able to lead from a prison cell. And God does this great work through the ordinary people of the Roman church, the Roman Christians that belong to the Roman church. God does this great work through them. 
And right now, I know that many of you, um, you are familiar with me, right? If you are somewhat familiar with our church, you know who I am because I'm the guy that gets up and I speak. And even if you've only checked out our online services, you're familiar with who I am because I'm Pastor Dan, the one who gets up and speaks. But I want you to know that we are entering a time where God wants to do a great work through the people, the congregation of Faith Church. Because it's an efficient model for us to gather in one location on Sunday and for me to minister to you in, in, through God's Word. And it's an effective model for, for me to, to minister to you through this technology there into your homes, through your TV or your phone or your tablet screen. But it's not, it's not possible for us to gather in one big group right now. And so what we've been doing over the last week is we have been equipping leaders with technology and resources so that they can lead discipleship groups. And these are ordinary people who are part of our congregation. They work uh, in, in factories, they weld, they paint, and they, they do things um, with their hands. They, they have blue-collar jobs and white-collar jobs. They're retired or they're still in the workforce. They're stay-at-home moms. And these people have experienced God's grace in their lives, and we're asking them to help you experience discipleship in this season. That in this period where we have more time because everything is canceled, but we also have more needs, that this is a time where God can draw us closer together and closer to one another. And so we talked in the past about doing discipleship groups that were going to be in homes or here at the church or online, and that's all online. In this season, we're only going to be able to do this online, but technology has made it possible for you not only to watch me, but for you to be in groups with people where you can have face-to-face -face conversation through your phone, through an app, and you can work through discipleship together. And I want you to know that God's going to use ordinary people to do this, and we want you to be a part of what God's going to do. We want you to become a part of a discipleship group. And no matter what your involvement with our church is, whether you have been serving um, for a while or you've been in a group, whether you're brand new, whether you've never even been on our physical campus, but you have connected with us during this time, we want you to know that you are invited to be a part of a discipleship group. And so if that's something that you're interested in, send a message to the Facebook page, send an email uh, to the church. You can go to our church page and go to contact us and, and fill out the form there. You can comment below and we will help you get plugged into a discipleship group. And, and Aquila and Priscilla and Phoebe, these names might not sound normal to you and they might not sound like ordinary people, but they were. They were ordinary people just like you and me. And these ordinary people carried the mission forward, carried the gospel forward, and they were a part of the incredible thing that God did in the church in Rome. And I want you to know that, that God is doing that now, that he continues to do his work through ordinary people like you and me. Last week, um, I was talking with Pastor Eric about kind of how we're going to be doing church in this season. And, you know, we're going to put together worship services that you can watch uh, from your home and we'll be doing church this way. And he said, you know, it's kind of like Air Force One. And I was like, what do you mean? And he told me, he said, well, a lot of times people think that there's just one Air Force One, that there's one plane that is Air Force One. And I was one of them because that's what I thought. He said, but actually there are a few two or three usually at a time that are equipped to fly the president and his staff wherever they need to go. But Air Force One refers to whatever plane the president is on. And I'll be honest, I kind of thought that Pastor Eric had like heard some kind of urban legend. So I looked it up and it's, it, that's real. That's the truth. Air Force One isn't a specific plane. Air Force One is whatever plane, whichever plane the president is currently on. And church 
It is not a place. It's not a building. It's not the sage on the stage. It's not the pastor preaching church. It's wherever God's people are, wherever God's people carry God's presence because God is present within the heart and life of every believer. And so though Paul couldn't be in Rome, and then when he was in Rome, he was in prison, God does this incredible work through people like Phoebe and Aquila and Priscilla and all those other names that are difficult to pronounce. And if we were to translate this into common language today, it'd be names like Joe and Sue and Sally, Bob, just ordinary people like you and me that God used to do this incredible work. Something I notice here in Romans 16 is that these were ordinary people, but these relationships that they had, they weren't ordinary. Because these were ordinary people that had an extraordinary bond. They were apparently very close. And it wasn't like Paul just had a couple of friends he was close with. He mentions a whole bunch of people, 27 people in this chapter, and he uses the word beloved all the time. He refers to these people as his beloved. These are people that he cared about, that he loved. He even says in a couple of occasions, greet those people for me with a holy kiss. Now, that is totally inappropriate for right now, right? No kissing in a time of social distancing. And even when we get back to church, I'm going to be excited to see you, but that's not how we're going to greet one another, all right? But Paul loved these people. He refers to them as sister, brother, patron, fellow worker, kinsman, fellow prisoner, beloved, someone who's like a mother to me. So how did these people have such strong relationships? Some of these people Paul hadn't been able to be in church with. He had just known of them from reports from the churches. Some of these people he hadn't seen in a really long time. And here's an important lesson in this for us, okay? Their bond was not based upon being together. And the bond that you and I have as a church is not based upon sitting in this room together for an hour a week. That's not what our bond is based on. Our bond is not based on being in one place at a time together. That's not what gives us this bond. The foundation of this bond, the thing that drives us together is the gospel. That's what brings us together. And that's what brought these people together. Paul says again and again throughout this chapter, he uses the same phrase in a whole bunch of different ways. He kept saying, in Christ, in the Lord, in Christ Jesus, those were who in the Lord before me, one who was the first fruits unto Christ in Asia. What made all these people so, so tight-knit, what brought them together was the fact that they had all experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'd all realized that they were sinners and that their sin was unholy before God. But God had sent His Son, who was holy, to live the perfect life that none of us could live, to die a death that He did not deserve, and to take the punishment for our sin so that we could receive His righteousness. He takes our sin, we get His righteousness. He takes the punishment, we get the grace. And they experienced this gospel, and that is what gave them these profound, extraordinary bonds is that they had all recognized that Jesus had saved them. And so the bond that we have is based upon the fact that we are in Christ. We are in His righteousness. We are in His grace. We are in His forgiveness. I mentioned that Harry Reader quote earlier, that a lot of times people don't think about history in the sense of 
far back and far beyond. And just kind of think about the here and now. But what he followed that up with is, we can go deeper and farther into the gospel, but we can never go beyond it. And we could go all the way back up the river of time, all the way back to Romans 16, to these people who are leading the church in Rome during this time. And we can go all the way back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve have sinned and God said that he's sending a son. We can always go deeper and farther in the gospel, but there's no going beyond that. There's nothing that is beyond the gospel. There's nothing more important than the gospel. There's nothing that binds us together more powerfully than the gospel. There's nothing that goes on forever like the gospel because just as we can go back as far as possible and still see the message of the gospel, the gospel is something that goes on forever into the future. You see, the gospel is the essential. Right now we're living in a time where we're trying to figure out what's essential. The gospel is the essential. It is the most important thing. And so we remain focused on that. And no matter what the current situation is, no matter what the cultural climate is, no matter what the the, the restrictions that are placed on us, the gospel will always be the essential. Because the gospel is what gives us grace, gives us access to the Father. And here's the beautiful thing. These gospel bonds are eternal. They go on forever. This has been a really crazy week and a half um, to lead a church. It's a crazy week and a half to lead any organization. It's a crazy week and a half to be a stay-at-home mom. It's just been a crazy week and a half. And there have been several moments during this time that, um, man, I've had to like reach out to leaders in our church and other church leaders and just, hey, what are you thinking about this? How are you handling this? How are you navigating this? And this week, I, I called Jean Helms. I was talking to her, and um, we were talking about how we missed our founding pastor, Brother Bob, and um, brought up some other names, men that had led in our church and people who were just incredible servants to the Lord. And I said to Jean, I said, man, I would really love to talk to those guys, to chat with those ladies in this time to, to draw from their wisdom. And we miss them, man, like... But I wouldn't bring them back for a second, but I know that we're going to go and be with them because these bonds, these relationships, they don't end. They're forever. And the final verse of chapter 16 says this. Glory to Jesus Christ forever. Forever. And that's not just like a platitude. That's not just like an appropriate way to end the letter. It's true. That this river of time, the river of God's church, the river of God coming to rescue us from our brokenness and our sin, it continues to run all the way into eternity, constantly pouring praise at the feet of King Jesus who has saved us from our sins. And even though we're in this bend in the river right now, even though we're in this time that things are incredibly different, there will be glory to Jesus Christ forever forever. The gospel is the essential and the gospel is eternal. It never ends. It never stops. It can't be canceled. It can't be suspended during this crisis. It goes on forever. 
And so if you've never experienced the gospel, if you've never experienced Jesus Christ forgiving you of your sin and giving you his righteousness in the place of your sin, you can experience that today. That's not suspended. That's not waiting until this crisis is over. You can experience it today. Let's pray to that end. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to meet with your people across our community, across town, in our homes. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by the fact that your gospel is eternal. Lord, help us to see that your gospel is essential. Lord, help us to be like these ordinary people that you work powerfully through, work powerfully in our hearts and lives, and use us to build the church. Lord, use us to help others come closer and closer to you. Father, I pray that if there's someone out there who recognizes today there's never been that moment where they have given up their sin and taken on your righteousness. Lord, there's never been that moment where they've turned from the life that they were living to follow you in your grace. This would be the moment. God, we believe that our nation is ripe for revival. And Lord, we pray that you would do a great thing in this time. And Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen.